this the dagger? Illegal substitution, too many men on the field, Saskatchewan. Gizmo has a block and the sideline. He has not stepped out, he may go all the way. He needs one block and he'll do it easily. Promise mess I wouldn't do this. McDavid stops up, what a move, shoots, scores! Everybody, welcome to the Outsiders, powered by the Macintosh Group at Remax River City. I'm Bryn Griffiths. He's Robin Brownlee, and joining us, one of the play-by-play voices of the Edmonton Oilers on 6:30. Chad is Cam Moon. How you doing? Doing very well. Excited to be talking hockey this uh, late in the season. Exactly. Hey, and not only are we talking hockey. That's how it sounded on ESPN in the excited states of America. Yeah, I, I actually I'm getting uh, chills. I've heard Jack's call on the radio. I, I've Chris Cuthbert's call on television. Now that ESPN call. Okay, first things first, Cam. Your thoughts on the series going the way it went? Well, I was I was pleasantly surprised. I didn't expect uh, Oilers. I, I called Oilers in six. Had it gone seven. It wouldn't have surprised me. Hey, if the Flames would have won, that wouldn't have surprised me. Let's be honest. The Oilers were the, they were the underdog going into this thing. But to do it in five and in the fashion that they did, winning the last four straight after a very tough start to the series. They lost 9-6, but they were down 5-1 and 6-2, tied it up. Uh, couldn't get it done in the first game. For it to go that way, yeah, I, I, I most certainly didn't see that on the horizon uh but i was i was really uh i was really impressed with the oilers resolve with the with them being down in multiple games especially in calgary and being able to battle back they showed they showed a lot they the 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 maturation of the younger players or the or the core group and then the influx of uh, the experienced guys uh, like Mike Smith and uh, uh, Duncan Keith. I mean, yeah, it all came together. And next thing you know, the Oilers win the Battle of Alberta. Now, Cam, when I looked at the people who follow hockey for a living, the vast majority of them had the Flames. Uh, I'll say the vast majority of people uh, not associated with either team because there is a little bit of benefit of the doubt to the home team sometimes by the people that cover that team every day. Um, what changed? What made so many people wrong? Was it just McDavid and Drysidle going supersonic in this series and Mike Smith saying, oh yeah, I'll show you guys who say that I'm washed up? What made a, what made the, the bottom line difference in this series? I would say that that's definitely part of it. I mean, you've got a guy like Leon Dreisaitl puts up 17 points in the series and, and Connor McDavid, uh, you know, playing the way he did in that series. It's tough to discount that. That's certainly a, 
a factor, a major factor. Yeah. Uh, the play of Mike Smith, I thought, I thought he was better than Jacob Markstrom, really through the through the course of that series. And uh, more often than not, the team with the better goalie is going to come out on the right side of a playoff series. So part of it for sure, but the the tenacity of Zach Hyman, he scored a goal in every game in the series. I mean, he brought something to the party. Evander Kane, who brought a, a physicality to the top six that, I mean, we saw it ever since he came to the team, but it, it certainly uh, showed itself in a, in a huge form in that series. That's part of it too. Ryan Nugent Hopkins had a really good series. Uh, with Leon not being 100% as far as we know and moving to the wing, it was important for Ryan Nugent Hopkins to be impactful as a center, uh, not centering the third line, but centering the second line and the way things went in that series. So, yeah, I, to me, it's a, it's a lot of different factors uh, to be able to take out a team as good as the Calgary Flames had a great regular season. And, and, and they were a tough opponent. I mean, it was, that was you knew it was going to be a close series. You knew it was going to be uh, exciting. It was probably a little more exciting than I expected. Like, I, I thought the, the actual games, like, I was riveted to it. Um, which made it a lot of fun. Uh, but, yeah, I think there's a lot of things. I mean, Evan Bouchard, look what Evan Bouchard is doing at such a, a young age and being a part of the, the offense and, and, you know, continuing to get better at defensively, all these things. I mean, we're seeing a lot of things happen uh, right in front of our eyes, but I would say they all led to the team being successful. They haven't been to the third round since 2006, so I started to do little comparables as to what I remembered the most. And uh, Robin and I were talking before we came on the air. I remember back to game number two in San Jose. I think Robin, was it not 4 nothing? I, I don't remember what the final score was. The Sharks won the game, but coming back from San Jose, I felt they're, they're still in this thing. I know yep. they got beat. There was a big hit that Rafi Torres doled out in the third period, and I felt that the momentum had flipped and, and changed. Then I started looking at this series, and I watched game number one. And that should have been an absolute romp by the Calgary Flames, and it turned into a nail-biter. And if they don't really turn it up big time in the third period, it might have been a nail-biter. And you walk away from game number one thinking to yourself, you know what, if Mike Smith can just kind of shut it down a little bit more, this is going to be a hell of a series. This is not over by any stretch of the imagination. I never felt it was going to be a sweep at any point after game number one. But that's just how I saw it. I don't know about you, Cam. Oh, yeah. No, I, I thought after that first game coming back from 5-1 and 6-2, it, it definitely, even though they didn't win the game, it, it definitely gave you some confidence that, oh, well, look, they're, they're scoring on Calgary here. Like, yeah. Not at will, but certainly with some ease at that point. And then when they were down in game two, you got a little bit of that, oh, not again kind of feeling. And then when it turned, it yeah. turned. Yep. And then from really from then on, the, I would say the, you know, the last 40 minutes of game two, after that, you're like, well, they look like they're just fine against them. And, and yeah, Mike Smith settled in. He's making saves. And that's where it starts. I mean, you have to have that or you got no chance. And, and then the Oilers just, they, they got rolling. And, and everything that, uh, that Edmonton did, seemed to be pretty successful. They did, a, I thought, a really good job of limiting Calgary's top line after that first game. 
And that way I thought was a huge key to the series. Cause you look at that, you look at that group, that trio of Lindholm, uh, Goodrow and, and Kachuk. I mean, what were they a plus 150 or whatever during the season, you know, like they, they all scored goals. They yeah. all put up really good numbers and, and they just couldn't really get it going against the Oilers. And, and the other top line was playing well, but all the line. But yeah, I was. It felt like it was turning at that point. Cam, talking about that first line, I to me it was even a a bit more specific than that. If I look at the difference between Matthew Kachuk and Evander Kane, after that you want some money uh, scenario, the trash. Matthew Kachuk is a good young player, and he's going to be a good player in this league for a long time. But I think he might have got the opposite reaction than what he wanted when you fire up a guy as skilled uh, and determined as Evander Kane by showing him up with the you want some money thing. What do you think? Well, I think he, he may have inadvertently inspired him, And when you play that style of game that Matthew Kachuk plays and, and, and when you're out there and uh, have the trash talk to the degree that he does, you always run that risk. Like whoever you're playing against, you are going to motivate them. And sometimes it's going to be very successful and you'll get in somebody's head and, and you'll probably get the better of them that day. But there are some people that all it's going to do is is manifest into huge motivation and make things worse, which yeah. isn't absolutely what it did there. Yes, uh, Evander Kane looked uh, highly motivated in the series. I think playing against Matthew Kachuk certainly had something to do with it. But hey, let's let's Kachuk. He's a good player. You'd love to have him on your team because yep. he's uh, he's tough to play against. And yeah, I but I could see how it kind of went south for them in that regard. Yes. Well, I had the comment too, about we're getting beat by one guy and everybody said, well, which guy, <laughs> even your own guy, their netminder had to be better. And he wasn't in the entire series. But when you take a look at the fact that Connor is getting most of the accolades, and then you look at the numbers that were being put up on the board by Leon, who's allegedly hurt with a middle body injury. Cause we don't, you know, really know if it's an upper or a lower body injury, even though I think we know, but, uh, but nonetheless, and you know, when you look back at, at teams that, that do really well in the postseason, goaltending's got to be better than the other guy was in the last series. You always need to have your superstars show up, and you need to have one or two guys new every game in the series put in an appearance. It might be Evander Kane in one game, Ryan Nugent Hopkins in another game, Zach Hyman in another game, the supporting cast. One of the things that people always say is that they don't believe the Oilers are as deep as they are. And I'm starting to think that that's nothing but bullshit because they they were deep in this series, quite frankly. No, that's fair. That's fair. They got uh, contributions up and down the lineup. Uh, And as I had said before, I think Ryan Nugent Hopkins was a big part of that, having to step into a a different role than he has played in the last few months uh, leading into the playoffs. I was also... And part of it is is some saves by Mike Smith, but I thought the Oilers, their defense, one through six, mm. I thought they were pretty good. Like, look at what Brett Kulak has done to this team since coming over from the Montreal Canadiens at the trade deadline. He's just quietly settled in to be a, a pretty effective defensive guy. And and I don't know what the expectation levels were of most fans of him coming in. 
like I thought he'd be pretty good. I think he's been a little better than than I expected coming in. I think, and that's a big part of it. And he's played well with Tyson Berry. And we've seen uh, Evan Bouchard continue to make strides in his game. Playing with Duncan Keith probably has something to do with that. But he's continuing to get better. Uh, I know uh, Darnell Nurse has been battling some things. And uh, it's been, you know, I'm, I'm sure that's been difficult. I'm sure that a lot of players are battling with things right now of all the teams that are still playing. But, you know, Darnell Nurse has had to come in and gut out some tough minutes. And Cody Cece has uh, really, to, in my eyes, all season long has continued to get better. And he's playing at his absolute best right now. So that's, that's another aspect of the team's game that um, I'm, I'm sure people from the outside, like outside of Edmonton, would have thought that that would be a liability for the club. And I don't think in any shape or form it has been. Cam, um, obviously this is a different team, a different era than the group in 06. But when we talk about goaltending, you know the position. Um, I keep drawing parallels. I, I don't think I'm even reaching. But when I think of Dwayne Rollison and his mental makeup and Mike Smith, these are both guys who, if they didn't have the big pads on, they could be the hard-nosed defenseman or the winger that loves to crush you in the corner because they'll fight you. They'll battle. They don't like to lose. They get pissed off. And as long as they contain that so it doesn't affect the technical part of their goaltending, they're big-time effective. And I really like what I see from Mike Smith. It reminds me of that run, and I was – front and center for that when I was still working the beat in 06, you can go a long way behind a guy who A, can stop the puck, and B, will battle for you as a goaltender. Exactly. And I think that's one of Mike Smith's greatest assets and one of Dwayne Rollison's greatest assets was their battle level. They're playing like it's game seven all the time. And it's inspirational for the guys on the bench and the guys on the ice you're watching him do whatever the heck it takes to to stop the puck, uh, get right in the mix when there's any kind of, you know, gathering in front of the net. Like Mike Smith, like he's in the upper echelon of toughest people on this team. Like, let's be honest, if it ever came to that, you know, I'll put him up against just about anybody. But uh, and then then there's the then there's the the ability to play the puck. To me, that makes him stand out above everybody else in the NHL. And it changes the way teams play against the Oilers because you can't dump the puck in the same. You have to change the way you forecheck. you got to change a lot of things or you have to at least adjust to what Mike Smith can do because he moves it up so quick. And and I thought that was a key actually in the series against Calgary. His ability to to move it quick didn't let the Calgary Flames aggressive forecheck take hold. Mm. Uh, because it is a good it was a good forecheck. It's aggressive, very different than the Los Angeles Kings in the first round. Uh, but if you move it quick, then then that never becomes a factor. And he's really good at moving it up. But yeah, I think there's a lot of parallels between the two. Uh, I, I have a tremendous amount of joy watching this guy play the position because of the way he plays and the way he battles. And and he because he's been in the league for as long as he has. He is, and I don't know if it would have been that way for him in his early years. I have no idea, but his ability to have a short memory. Oh. So he lets in a goal from 132 feet, 
let's be honest, that's going to crush most people yes. where you're like, oh my, we just pissed away a three, nothing lead on a goal like that from the parking lot. And now what? And he, he dug in and that's a credit to him, huge credit to him. And the team found a way to get the win because the whole series could have changed on that goal. And I found the series may have changed on the Nugent Hopkins goal that uh, held up to be the game winner. It was a sickening sound, by the way, from the crowd uh, on that 132 footer. And I thought to myself, oh boy, let's see how the, I had this Tommy Sallow thing about it. I'm going, oh no, is this going to be a crusher or what? But hey, listen, they've been very resilient through this entire series. Let's move on to the next series, though. It's the mm-hmm. Colorado Avalanche. And let's go through position by position. We've got Grubauer against uh, Smith. And I think if I saw one thing in the St. Louis series, it is that Grubauer can be a little mortal at times. And uh, I think that the goaltending battle, some people are going to say it's immediately. Are you thinking Darcy Kemper? Uh, thank you. Sorry, pardon yes, me. Yes, uh, yes, yes. It's funny. I was just reading about Grubauer this morning. Thank you. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. the uh, the uh, the biggest thing is he seemed to get a little rattled by some of the goals by the St. Louis Blues. And I'm thinking he's going to have to shake that off because this next series has got the potential to be a high-scoring one as well. Yeah, and I, I'd be surprised it isn't, quite honestly, given the firepower on both sides. The, uh, you know, the experience factor certainly leans towards the Edmonton Oilers and Mike Smith. Uh, Darcy Kemper's had, you know, a great season with the with Colorado Avalanche yeah, and has put together a pretty good resume in the National Hockey League. I know he had a bit of a tough series against St. Louis, Although, you know, they still were able to win the series. But, I mean, we had an 892 save percentage in that in that uh, series against St. Louis. So maybe, you know, a little less of what you would want or what you would expect. But I think uh, the Oilers might have a, you know, a slight edge in that, in that experience factor. And, and Mike Smith showed that last series against the Calgary Flames. But... I, in the head-to-head matchups, in the three games that the Oilers played the the Avalanche this year, Kemper was pretty good. Yep, yep. All very, very close games too. So, so, yeah. Robin, uh, your thoughts on the goaltending matchup between yep. these two? Well, you know what? I right now, uh, I know I sound like a broken record. I'm going to take unless uh, there's a reincarnation of Patrick Waugh or Dominic Hasek, uh, uh in the offing here. I'm taking Mike Smith right now. Um, he is, he's confident. I like the way he laughed off, as we said, the uh, goal from the parking lot. Um, that can, that we've seen it rattle a guy and ruin a guy for a playoff, a season. And some would argue in the case of Tommy Sallow career. career. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. When something like that happens, he's so damn tough. You know what? And there's a bit of a, I don't give a shit with him. Uh, I've been around. I deserve to be here. I know how I can play. Yeah, I screwed it up. Let's get on to the next play. And I like that, the short memory that Cam talked about. Uh, Kemper, he's not been as good as I thought he might be. Uh, I like I like if it's straight up goaltending you're asking me about, I like Mike Smith in this one. Okay, defensively, the the key for me in this entire series is going to be the one guy back on the blue line. Not back on the blue line very often for the no. Avalanche, but 
Kale McCarr, for me, is he, I think he's the. Well, I think he may be the key of this entire series because the teams match up pretty well, but the Oilers don't have anybody at that level. And uh, Moon, are your thoughts on, on the way he has played and how the two defenses match up? Yeah, I don't. Well, most teams don't have a guy at that level. He's yeah. Kale McCarr is unbelievable. Like he is right up there in the upper upper echelon of uh, defensemen that are going to get you points. So I kind of put him in a separate category, yeah. really. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know they're without uh, Sam Gerrard, and, and they don't expect him back. Uh, getting Josh Manson is is a good uh, acquisition for the avalanche that they did this uh, earlier this season for Anaheim. Uh, provides some toughness, and, and he's rugged back there for sure. Uh Bowen Byram, a young guy that I got to see a lot in the Western Hockey League and played with the Vancouver Giants. Uh, he brings offensive ability to the back end, just doesn't have a lot of experience quite yet. Uh, to me, I, if the Oilers D and keep playing at the, the level they did in the Calgary series, I, I, I got no problem putting them up against the, the back end of the avalanche. The only difference is they've got Kale McCarr, who that yeah. on a power play is unbelievable. He's lights out. So, and Evan Bouchard is definitely trending in that direction when it comes to a guy that can uh, quarterback a power play and put up points and because he's got that great shot. So yeah, to me, it's incredibly close. Robin. Well, I have a, I have questions about McCarr, not about him, but I haven't seen him enough and I don't like, you know, it's so-and-so says, and unless you watch a bunch of tape, uh, Secondhand stuff always makes me nervous. That just goes back to doing the job on the beat, I guess. But I I wonder about McCarr, and, and I don't know if you have an answer, Cam, because I don't. Can anybody – I'm sure coaches have tried to do this. Can anybody back him out of games by being physical with him and going at him? Is he the kind, Or is he the kind of player that says – Oh yeah, now I'm really into it. Do you hurt yourself by going at him? What's it? What's his makeup? Do you know? Well, from what I, what I've been able to see so far is not much rattles him. Like it's he's a pretty even keeled. So I don't know if going at him is going to make a difference. Quite honestly, I don't know if he's yeah. going to come back at you twice as hard. I don't know if that's the case. I, yeah. I just don't know if you're going to change his day. You know, <laughs> it's just good. he's he rolls through things pretty darn good. So, yeah, it, that's and that's limited. He didn't play in the Western Hockey League, so I didn't watch him coming up. But uh, yeah. from what I've seen in uh, in the National Hockey League with my own eyes, uh, he's been, he looks like a guy that uh, rarely gets rattled. Now. Defense to defense, talking about a guy who plays here. And and it's the same thing. Uh, I'm not there all the time anymore. I look at Evan Bouchard, not that he's the most important guy on this defense right now at this point in his career. Maybe I read it wrong, Cam, but I saw a couple times when things got a little bit hairy and a little bit physical where I saw some hesitation in his game. Not saying they backed him out of the game by being physical, but it was like almost like, what do I do here? Um, have you seen any of that from Evan? Well, I, I'm seeing a guy that's learning his way, for sure, yeah. Yeah. at the NHL level, uh, and especially on the defensive side of things. 
but he is still learning. And I think being paired with Duncan Keith helps a lot. I mean, offensively, there's not much. He like he knows what he's doing. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, he's great at getting that shot through. He's got a heck of a shot and he is good at distributing the puck. But yeah, I see a guy that I mean, he's still in the early stages of his NHL career. And that part is all it's it's learning as we go here. And still with the longest answer on the defense by me. Um, <laughs> do you think, because you see him all the time, the experience factor, I think Duncan Keith becomes more important as we go here. How many Oilers on this roster have been to the third round? Just ask that question off the top. I think his in the room and in the warm up, and even on the bench, it's okay, fellas. Here's how it works right now. Uh, here's here here's what's happening. I think he can be a great value from here on out. Oh yeah, and I think he's been a great value from from the start of the playoffs to now too. Yeah. I, I I think uh, Duncan commands incredible respect within the confines of that room, and deservedly so. Uh, again, you talk about all the playoff games. I don't. I think he's at. What is he at now for playoff games? It's like 170, 180 games or something that he's played. Like, it's amazing how many playoff games the guy has under his belt. So he's seen the ups and downs. He knows, you know, whether you lose 10-1 or 3-2 in double overtime, it's still just the one game that uh, the high, you don't want to have the highs too high and the lows too low. It's cliche, but it's the absolute truth in the postseason. So I think he's been absolutely uh, instrumental in that regard. And same with Mike Smith and, and Evander Kane, who has been to a, a conference final before. Like those guys have been this far in the playoffs. And that has to help yeah. the Edmonton Oilers. And I think Duncan Keith has helped a lot in that regard. Okay. Let's talk a look at the forward matchups. We're going to see some goals. I, I think this is going to be so <laughs> much fun to watch. And watching their big guns go against the Oiler big guns is going to be a blast. But is this going to boil that down to? the bottom six players and who's going to contribute, who's going to come out of nowhere to power the team beyond the superstar matchups. I don't know. To me, it's the top six on both sides. Like I, I don't know who in the bottom six is going to come out of nowhere and put up numbers. I don't, if that happens for either team, that's absolute bonus, but nobody's counting on it. So I mean, you look at the last series with Calgary. Did somebody come out from the bottom six and come out of nowhere and, and lead the Edmonton Oilers? No. Just chew up the six. time. Just chew up yeah. the time, right? That's right. You don't get scored on. And yep. if you can create some opportunity, great. And you can get a goal, wonderful. But uh, you need a lot of those top six, like from both sides. Like It's going to be amazing. And, and, and we saw it in the regular season. There was an overtime loss. There was yep. a shootout loss. And there was a regulation win in the three games. And they were all exciting. Like all three games were a lot of fun. Yeah, I expect more of the same. It's going to be fast hockey. It's going to be skilled hockey. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a grinded out affair. There'll be some goals. There'll be some opportunities. Uh, yeah, Colorado definitely. They're they're the favorite going in yep. for sure. They deserve to be. They're the top team in the conference. But yeah, that's to me the. The top six on both sides, that's that's going to decide it. And then special teams. Both teams well, can uh, do unbelievable damage on the power play, but what about from the PK standpoint? Yeah, well, good luck. Um, wow. <laughs> you know, on both sides. You, If you're the opposition, the last thing you want to see is that other team's power play. 
because they're both really, really good. And yes, your goaltender has to be your best penalty killer. So your goaltending will definitely come in. And it always does. I mean, that, that's going to be a big part of this series too. It's a big part of every series. Uh, yeah, I, I would think staying out of the box would be absolutely paramount to either of these two clubs because, yeah, you look at the Euler power play has been good in the playoffs. So is the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, that's too much skill to put on the ice to be up against with one less player. So, yeah, I think that uh, staying out of the box will be a key for both teams. My last, I guess, thought on it, Cam, um, I'd have a hard time arguing that the Avalanche weren't, weren't uh, the better team over the course of the season, but we're not playing over the course of the season. We're playing right now. And I would like somebody with a straight face to tell me that Colorado's top forwards are outplaying Edmonton's top forwards right now because it isn't happening. 26 points apiece for Dreisaitl and McDavid. Evander Kane with that skill and edginess that the Oilers have lacked. And Zach Hyman, who's sort of the uh, do-everything guy, the never-quit guy, the go-get-the-loose-puck guy, the do-the-dirty-work guy. Uh, I don't see anybody with Colorado playing better than the Oilers' best players right now. Are some of those guys Better players, maybe, um, but right now, name me one. Yeah, no, that's fair. And that's what's going to make this series fun because now we're going to get them head-to-head and we're going to find out. We're going to see. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that, I mean, the, the Oilers, to be where they are right now, a lot of things, they've had to have a lot of players play well, and they have, and anybody does to get this far. I mean, there's only four teams out of 32 still playing. Yeah. So it's pretty elite company to get to this point. Yeah, I think it just it sets up from an from the NHL's point of view, it sets up really well as far as uh, you know Connor McDavid versus Nathan McKinnon and the two teams that score goals and and play the game in an exciting and fun fashion. I think that sets up for a series that I hope a lot of eyeballs across North America are watching because I think it'll be worth watching. We know Colorado had themselves a hell of a season. Oilers, for my money, are playing with house money now. They've got to the third round, and that was kind of a huge goal for them because the look on the face of Connor McDavid coming off the ice in that one uh, overhead camera shot, so you know how pumped up he was about everything. But there was so much riding on the Battle of Alberta. But Okay, so quickly, is this going to go the distance this series, you guys? Cam, we'll start with you. Six, seven games, and I think I think I really believe it's a coin flip. Oh, I, I think it's awfully close. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, you guys know where I work, so you know who I'm Yes, picking. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> is it going to go long, though? Is it six or seven games? Oh, yeah, I think it's absolutely six or seven games. It wouldn't shock me at all if it yeah. went seven. And, Robin, what about you? I said on Oilers Nation, uh, my column yesterday, Oilers in six. Love it. I'll, I'll go with the Oilers in seven, but it goes against conventional thinking. But bring it on. It'll be a blast. Hey, Oilers now, how's it going for you on 6.30, Chet? I know you're uh, co-hosting and doing a lot of stuff. Are you having fun with it? Oh, it's been it's been a blast. I've been working with uh, Brendan Escott. He has been tremendous. So, yeah, there's been times where where uh, Bob's been in travel, so we've had to take over the show. So, yeah, I've enjoyed it immensely. We'll go and have some fun, and thanks for your time today. Okay, thanks, boys. 
Well, we're slowly moving into the summer months, and like any good teammate, the realtors over at the McIntosh Group will assist you in selling your home. Now, here's the goal. To sell your home for the most amount of money in the least amount of time with little to no stress. Wayne Gretzky was no stranger to breaking and setting records. Well, the Edmonton single-family real estate market, breaking records to kick things off here in 2022, slows down a little bit as we get into the summer, but that's no big deal. But it does tell you one thing. It's so important to hire a professional with the skills to work in the ever-changing market that we're living in. Now, if you're looking for a Hall of Fame experience when selling your home, then give Brent or anybody at the McIntosh Group at REMAX River City a call at 780-464-0075, or you can find them online at mcintoshgroup.ca. Both buyers and sellers, give them a shout. They'll be able to tell you exactly how the market is going. And one last thing, when you give them a shout, make sure you tell them the outsider sent you. So there we go. Let's wrap this baby up. It's a little shorter than usual today, Robin, and, and that's fine. Everybody's got things to do. Hey, before we leave the Battle of Alberta, there's a couple of things I want to point out. I had yep. the privilege and the pleasure of listening to Sportsnet 960, the fan in Calgary online, after that overtime victory by the Edmonton Oilers. Pat Steinberg did a fantastic job of kind of keeping things under control Obviously, it's a highly emotional series anytime Edmonton and Calgary get together, but I just want to send a salute out to Patty because I thought he did a great job with his callers and was fair, was balanced, saw it from a Calgary Flames perspective, obviously, as you're supposed to do on the on the home broadcast, but Pat was outstanding. The other thing, too, we were just barely touching on it with Keith Kachuk and how he mentioned after, I think it might have been game two, certainly after game three, that they were getting beaten by one guy. That seemed yeah. to irritate Oiler fans beyond belief, but, but it is coming from Matthew, so that wouldn't take much. But it was more than one guy that caused uh, caused a problem in that series. However, the one thing that it, it kind of made me think a lot about is how Connor McDavid was able to get into the brains perhaps of the Calgary Flames players. In other words, oh, here he goes again. And then who ends up getting the eventual winner? He had a softer than usual game, according to him, but he ends up getting the winner in overtime. But there's that little, that brain bug that gets in there. And and when guys are talking about we're getting beaten by one guy, it kind of, for me, I almost felt like the series is over. If they're looking at it like that, this series is over. Do you see it that way? Yeah, well, you know, when it was said, and you and I have talked about it, we're not the only ones. You need to be careful uh, what you say. There's a, and you know what? It's an emotional game, and that's what makes makes it a terrific game. But when you say that, you got to understand that what you mean might not be taken the same way by a, a bunch of guys in the dressing room across from you who go, oh, oh really? Like, I guess we're chopped liver then. Um, you know, he's talking about Connor. Well, how about me? And if and if those guys that are thinking that way are named Leon Dreisaitl and Evander Kane and Zach Hyman, who are pretty good hockey players, and Duncan Keith and Mike Smith, who's been in the league forever, they're take that to heart. You're, you're going to pay. You know, you're going to pay a price for that. Um, the other thing, and we t- we we touched on it. You know, if if you're going to talk trash, um, you know, it's a fine line. And what did Matt, what did Matthew Kachuk do after his little session? You want some money 
with Evander Kane. Look at the numbers from Evander and from Matthew after that little exchange. It clearly didn't work the way Matthew thought it was going to. And you know what? That's part of gamesmanship. I'm sure he'll uh, take something from that because I thought one of the things that made a difference that kept it shorter than I thought it was going to be in terms of a series was that that top line and Kachuk especially because of his abrasiveness and his skill, Kachuk did nothing after that. Nothing. I was at a barbecue over the weekend, and this topic also came up, and that was, and it was from somebody or somebody in a younger demographic, said they didn't like the answers that Daryl Sutter was giving in the post game press conferences, and I thought, I actually thought Daryl was great. Yeah, he he said exactly what he needed to say. You don't want to feed the fire anymore. He did comment about the fact that if it gets into a skills competition, we're in trouble. I don't think he was wrong in saying that, and I think he was correct in saying that, and that's exactly what ended up happening. It did come down to the the bigger guns at the end of the series, but I I thought Daryl, who I think is a fabulous coach and uh, has a really nice knack of getting his players motivated, especially the ones that are on board with him, but I thought he handled himself in spectacular fashion through that series. I think sometimes people want – Daryl has and and maybe still will a go off from time to time. Yeah. Um, and when they didn't see that, I sometimes wonder if they're going, oh, what's with that? Like he said something quite that some people wouldn't expect from him. And uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but it was sort of like instead of being pissed off, it was like, well, you know, there's also the possibility that maybe they're just playing a little bit better than we are. And what you can't that, say. It doesn't it doesn't make uh, for great headlines. Yeah, but that's what he thought. I mean, he's not always over the top with mugging for the camera or going going old school on you. Um, if we're talking coaching, though, the the thing that's come came out of that series before we go into this next one, Jay Woodcroft has stolen the show. Uh, he's done a great job tactically he's done a great job uh with the steady hand on the tiller so to speak and we've talked about that all the way down the stretch and now we're going into the third round but i gotta tell you man i don't know if there's another uh situation where coach hey maybe it was mac g with calgary uh with harvey and the tongue right i don't know that i've seen one moment replicated more often then Jay Woodcroft swinging the gate open <laughs> and, and leaning on the boards with his hand on his hip. We've seen that meme now in coffee shops, uh, liquor stores, uh, everywhere. Jay Woodcroft hand on hip leaning on the boards. That made me laugh out loud. And when you get great hockey and you can also laugh out loud, that's a yeah. hell of a scene. I saw I saw a meme where he was actually leaning against the Telus balls or the Talus balls rather down uh, along the White Mud Freeway there. Uh, oh, sorry, White <laughs> Mud Drive. We're not allowed to call it a freeway here in Edmonton. That's how it works. Nothing's a freeway here. It's always a drive. Have you noticed that? Oh uh, yeah. We don't do that. Yeah, no, it's pretty funny stuff. And uh, so so there was that. Hey, before we uh, disappear. We have a Game 7 coming up tonight between uh, the Carolina Hurricanes at home where they are perfect at 6-0, taking on the yeah. New York Rangers. 
And uh, the winner from that gets the privilege and the pleasure of taking on the Tampa Bay Lightning in the Eastern Conference Final. Who won? Who do you like in Game 7? I know somebody might download this after the fact, but who do you like between Carolina and the Rangers? At some point, at some point, Carolina is going to have to lose a home game because they're not very good on the road. Well, I tell you what. I, uh, just because... I go back to the future, as the movie says. Yeah. I don't want, I don't care which team wins. I don't want one or team or the other to win. I think Carolina will win. That makes me interested only in that. Um, can we possibly set up? I'm, I now I'm two moves ahead here. Now you're thinking rematch. 2006 oh, yeah. rematch, right? But I think that would be cool. Oh, Maybe it'd be fun. And I, I, frankly, I think the I think the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning will throttle the Hurricanes. Um, I think they're the really? better team. Yeah, I do. Okay, uh, but I just think that it would be kind of cool. And and the Avs might uh, have a problem with uh, some old sports writer looking past them talking about a cup rematch between the Hurricanes and the Oilers. You're allowed to have some fun. Yeah. I, I think about that. I think that how that was a series for the take. And I thought how, when it was Carolina that got through before that the Oilers were finally going to win another Stanley cup and uh, it didn't happen. So that's way down the road. I think Carolina gets past the Rangers, but I think, I think it's, I think the Lightning are, are the uh, are the class of the East, so I'll go that far on this one. I've already said I think it's going to be a hell of a series, and I think the Oilers are going to surprise a lot of people. I haven't looked yet, Bryn, to see uh, who all the picks are from the insiders. Whether you know the national people at, at the different uh, stations and at the big websites, and no mocking at all because I used to have to do those picks. And you can be wrong just as easily as be right. But I wonder if there's many people that aren't affiliated with the Oilers that are actually picking them in this series because Colorado's got a lot of attention and they're really good. Yep. But here and now, I, I think if there's any edge at all, here and now, not on the balance of the season, it's razor thin, man. Yeah. It's tight. I don't know what's going to happen in this game seven of this Eastern semi, but I, I, I have a feeling that, and the league would never admit to it, but to have the New York Rangers in with Tampa Bay Lightning, the defending champs, to have Connor McDavid uh, against, uh, you know, uh, 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 McKinnon is so spectacular. I'm such a huge fan of his. I think that those four teams would really do good things from television numbers. You'd have one team out of Canada, You'd have one team out of central U.S. in Colorado and Denver. You'd have the Rangers, which is obviously the media capital of the world, against Tampa, who are the defending champs. That would be a perfect matchup. I, the Carolina Oilers series back in 2006 was not a great watched series. No. So uh, so I think to have uh, Carolina in there probably wouldn't be great for U.S. TV ratings, but Canadians will watch once it gets to the final anyway. That's what we do. Let's go back to something we were gabbing about uh, before Cam came on with us. Sure. I, I don't want to forget about it because uh, I want your take and be, I think people who listen to us might be interested as well. Um, 
I've known Mike Zeisberger out of Toronto for a long time. A long time. He's a really good writer. Yes. He uh, was wrote a piece for NHL.com. And as I said to you, after I read it, uh, I know writers don't write the headlines, but there was a, a headline about the, uh, the meeting of uh, Connor McDavid and Nathan McKinnon. Yes. The greatest players of their era. Um. I'm going to sound, maybe I'm going to sound homerish here. My take is this. Are they talking about a showdown between Connor McDavid and, and Leon Dreisaitl? Because to me, and or Austin Matthews, because and I've last I looked, the Maple Leafs are out. Um, Nathan McKinnon is a hell of a player. But by any metric I use, like with offensive players, you know, games played and goals and assists and yes. points, Nate McKinnon isn't the second best player of his of his era. Leon Dreisaitl is a better player. Would I like to have both? Yes. But I don't know. Something about the headline rubbed me the wrong way. Am I Am I just being overly sensitive? I think well, there's a couple of things. One, in Edmonton, we get a steady diet of both guys, so we can see what they both do. Uh, I I got to tell you, I did watch a lot of Colorado games this year on the center ice package, and and uh, I I think Nathan is is pretty fantastic. But but if you were to tell me right now who I thought were the top four players in the National Hockey League, uh, one guy's playing in Toronto, who I think is going to win the MVP, which is based on the regular season, yeah. uh, and then the other three guys, there's two in Edmonton. And the other guy is uh, is in Colorado. And then Johnny Goudreau had himself a great season, but they found a way to shut him and get him uninterested in this series of the Battle of Alberta. Yep. But there, there's my top five. Sid's fallen off the charts a little bit for me. Not any disrespect at all to Sidney Crosby, who's, you know, first first ballot Hall of Famer for sure. He's old. He's old now. But he's, he, but he's aging, and, uh, and I, I tip my helmet to him. Stick tap for sure. But uh, I think that the only reason that it's it's put the way it is there is because you can't you can't sell watching a series by saying who's it going to be Connor or Leon. It's got you got to pit the <laughs> two know. guys against each other, and maybe yeah. it's a little excessive to call them the you know the, the how was it worded again? How was the headline worded? The greatest players of their era. Uh, yeah. Okay. We're nitpicking at this point. I guess we'll find out more over the next two weeks. That's that's for sure. Hey, who knows? Maybe maybe Leon is sitting there today, going, "Oh yeah." Well, that, yeah, that's it. <laughs> that, absolutely. I know one thing. It's going to be fun because you, th- this is an opportunity for both of these guys and Leon. They're into the third round now. This is kind of the like I, as I said earlier with Cam. The Edmonton Oilers are playing with house money now. Yep. You know, the, the fan base, it's what can you do now? And let's have some fun doing it. There's pressure on the Colorado Avalanche because they had an unbelievable season. Here's a question for you. If the Edmonton Oilers didn't go AWOL during the season for about six weeks, they mm. would have been right there with Calgary, and they might have been right there with Colorado in terms of points. So, I don't know. We could we could break it and analyze it down a million different ways, but I, yeah, I just but I think it's going to be a great series. Part of part of that that consists. I mean, again, I I, I don't want to be seen or heard uh, as selling Colorado short. I watched I watched a couple highlights of 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 McKinnon uh, this playoff season and in past seasons. He's a 
big, fast, oh. talented, talented player. And he just scored a goal that you're going, you're blinking to see, to, like, did I just see that correctly? Um, but, man, I tell you what, the way McDavid has grabbed some games right by the nuts this postseason and said, it's going to go our way. Um, that's tough to beat. And now I wonder about those uh, the subtle things like, the contribution of a Duncan Keith, as we talked about, the been there before done it look fellas. It's okay. Don't get rattled. We're fine. We're good. You need that voice and it can't always be a coach. It can't always be somebody that means well, but hasn't been there. Uh, Connor McDavid can't tell the guys it's going to be okay uh, in the third round of the playoffs because He's never been to the third round of the playoffs. Yeah. He can he can do something about it out on the ice, yep. but that subtle thing we talked about, Evan Bouchard, Keith might say, "Hey, kid, listen, listen up," and he might just might be a thirty second conversation that does the world of good for an Evan Bouchard, a Mike Smith, some of the some of the younger D men. Um, I don't know the pieces are. Maybe I'm a wishful thinker, and I said this to you, and I don't like to say it a lot because it's a different era and a different team. I had a feeling, if you asked me to have to write it down and say exactly what it was, I probably couldn't do it, but I had that feeling in 06 about this team. And with this group of players, I have the same kind of feeling. Not same team, not same circumstances, but it's just like, man, if everything comes together, they can win this damn thing, or at least they can take a shot at winning it. In other words, win the Western, win the conference final, and then let's roll the dice. And I honestly feel that way. I've picked them. Other Oiler people will pick them as well. I'm sure fans will. But this team is really close. It's hard to believe we're saying that because at the midway point of the season, we were yep. wondering, well, look, heading into the postseason, people were looking for Kenny Holland's head on a platter. They didn't like some of these trades, some of these deals. And you know what's and bizarre? Here we are. Some people still don't. And I don't know. I mean, I don't like to give the trolls on Twitter too much attention. Uh, I'll generally just mute them or block them. I actually read one guy, and I think he was just being an ass. But there, there's a fair amount of it out there because when you read the the uh, the the, the uh, following comments, it was it was paraphrasing. If the Edmonton Oilers uh, don't advance to the next round, it's because Ken Holland did a shitty job of putting the team together. Well, they're in the third round. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. If the Edmonton Oilers win the Stanley Cup. Ken Holland doesn't get any of the credit. It's the players who do the playing. In other words, it was a that's selective. You can't win yeah. if they're if if you stink. If they stink, it's your fault. And if they win the Stanley Cup, well, you didn't have anything to do with it. I don't get that way of thinking. But you know what? There's some people out there. You know what? They place their bets early, Bryn, and they say, "I don't like this guy. He's old school. He's not. Uh, you know, he." He got some blowback. You remembered he made the comment, well, I don't go by, what did he call it, Korsky and Fensky? Well, there's a whole community out there. And look, at I'm not going to take crap on the analytics. Yeah, guys, yeah, yeah. But it's a different time now. But you know what? They hear something like that, and it's just like, it's a, it's a, for some of them, it's like, 
a flashback to the days when the school bully was holding their head in the toilet in the washroom or something like they get triggered and they never forget it. So some people believe Ken Holland can do no right. Um, You know, uh, so I I find that amusing. It's going to be interesting to see because if he wins the Stanley Cup, I wonder if people are going to take a look at the shot he took on Kane, which, as I've said, and a lot of people said, for off-ice reasons, I wouldn't have done. But I'm eating my words right now, at least in terms of on-ice performance. Hyman, oh, geez, do we want to go that long to get this guy? He's made the right moves. And right now, Duncan Keith, while the the uh, the uh, ticket is heavy for, for a player his age, I think he's, I think there's value there, as we've discussed. So this this team is four wins from going to play for the Stanley Cup. Let's leave it at that and see what happens. But if you're telling me that Ken Holland hasn't done anything right, bah, no sale here. Smart money, though, is on Colorado. If only there was a betting site out there where we could bet. <laughs> I, just, I just don't know if there's any out there. I just, I'm not familiar with any betting sites or anything, you know? Maybe they don't, maybe they're not allowed to advertise. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe, exactly. Hey, before we go, let's uh, do a little house cleaning here. Make sure you check us out on Twitter. The handle's really simple, at Outsiders2020. We might have to change that to 2022. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, it, maybe I shouldn't have mentioned it because somebody will grab it before we do. Uh, make sure you tell your friends to subscribe or follow us. Our RSS feed is on all of your favorite ear candy sites, wherever you uh, download your podcasts, like Apple, Google, Spotify, etc., etc. We're also on YouTube, an audio version of it. Robin records from the Lucky Sam studio in Southwest Edmonton, and I record from Road 55 studio in downtown Edmonton. And by the way, I don't think you've heard it because of the system that we have in place here, but they're doing all this construction work in front of us at 103rd Avenue, and the jackhammers are going like nonstop outside of our studio this week, and it's driving me nuts. But like I said, I don't think it'll come through at all on this, but uh, they're trying to beautify the downtown core. They want to do a nice link from Churchill Square by City Hall down 103rd Avenue, right past our studios to the Ice District and the Moss Pit, which, by the way, uh, whoever's going out to the Moss Pit, you're doing a great job. It looks fantastic. Okay, before we wrap up, Robin, that's it for us. Before we wrap up, we're talking about getting into the heads of people, especially in Calgary with the way that series played out. And uh, my favorite one to wrap this podcast up today is from CBC Calgary, the uh, the broadcaster. Uh, I, I've gone completely blank on his name. Uh, he is one of their anchors, and uh, he uh, he wrapped up the newscast in a very unique manner that summed up, I think, the feeling in Calgary after the Battle of Alberta had wrapped up with that Connor McDavid goal, which, by the way, if you missed it, it was pretty impressive on ESPN. Dry sidle to McDavid. McDavid shoots. Score! So there's that, and there's... And finally, Robin, it's uh, it's this. From CBC Calgary. By the way, have yourself a great week, okay? All right? Mm-hmm. All right, here we go to wrap it up. And that's our show for tonight. Thank you very much for watching. And remember, you can accomplish anything you set your mind to unless Connor McDavid also wants that thing. Have a great night. Yeah.
storming the castle. Road 55.